Lord, we praise you this morning. Lord, I thank you as we've gathered here this morning. Lord, we didn't come to a funeral service. We came to a resurrection service. We're not celebrating your death. We're celebrating your life today, Lord God. And so we praise you in this house this morning, Lord. We praise you all over the world, Lord, that you are the risen Savior. You're not in a grave. The tomb has been blown open, and you're out into the world today, Lord, alive to touch people's hearts, to touch people's lives, to heal people right now, to bless people right now. And Lord, we stand in his degree this morning that you are the risen Savior. Lord, we agree this morning that you mightily move across this land, mightily move across this world, Lord God, right now. And that revival, revival, people being revived, Lord God, that are dead because they touched the risen Savior, come to life, Lord, all over this world. That, Lord, today is the day of a new thing. Today is the day of a new beginning. Today is the day, Lord God, for the dead to rise, Lord. Those that have had a death sentence put on them right now, I declare in the name of Jesus, the risen Savior, touches you. And I declare right now, He touches you and life comes into your body. I declare, Lord, every person that they said, no way we're going to make it, no way we're going to come. Lord, that the risen Savior touches resurrection power touches them. Lord, right now, wherever you are, I just declared over your life. I just declared over your life. The risen Savior is in your life. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ that death, hell, and the grave cannot touch. I declare there is no grave with your name on it. Hear me out there. Everybody listen this morning. There is no grave with your name on it. I'm telling you, resurrection power, resurrection life. Jesus proved it when he arose 2,000 years ago as the son of the living God on the face of this earth. So church, just praise him this morning. Rejoice over this morning. Praise him that he is the risen Savior. Praise him that he is the risen Savior. Alive. Alive forevermore. Woo! Lord, we praise you this morning. We just give you praise in this house this morning, Lord. We declare every devil in hell is defeated and God is on the throne of our lives. Woo! Lord, we praise you in this house. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. We worship you. Oh, come on, church. Turn to somebody there in your house, your car. Look at them. Shake them a little bit. Say, we walk in resurrection power. We walk in resurrection power. Come on. Shake yourself. Make yourself alive this morning. Chase off those devils of doubt and unbelief. Shake yourself a little bit. Your spirit say, no, no, no. We serve the risen Savior. Woo! Come on. Praise the Lord. If y'all are out there in the parking lot, give us a honk. Let us know you're alive. Oh, yeah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Church, I'm telling you, I'm excited today. Listen, if you grab hold of this message, if you let the Holy Ghost sink it into your heart, today's a new day for you. Today, there's going to be a change in the realm of the Spirit. I believe it. I believe that the Lord has, I've just been excited about this day. And even though that we're not all here in church, it doesn't make any difference. There's no distance in spirit. Listen, there's no stupid coronavirus can stop the spirit of the living God. I'm telling you right now, we're not distanced. 
We're not distance. We're together by the Spirit. We are together by the Spirit this morning. And I just praise God for it. I I miss seeing your faces here, but let me tell you something. I, I can feel your spirit. And God's doing something new today. He's doing something new. And so, man, listen, just again, just lift up your heart to him and just begin to thank him and just praise him. That he didn't stay in the grave. That God had a bigger plan than the devil could ever figure out. God had a bigger plan of resurrection of Jesus. So praise the Lord. Lord, we thank you for it. We praise you for it this day, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. Well, give the Lord a home there, man. Give the Lord a home. Praise God. I know some people, I've, I've gotten a few texts, and some people think that, you know, it's a little crazy. Some of you are sending honks. You're just now getting to where you can send me a honk. You know, a honk. Uh, it sounds kind of crazy. We're country folks. You know, we, do, we honk our horns. We don't toot our horns. We honk our horns. Okay? And so you've been sending me some stuff. But, man, it lets me know that you're there, that you're hearing. Man, I love the honks. I love to hear a honk. And so, praise God, we'll probably carry it on from now on, you know? Uh, just keep on, keep on, keeping on. Amen? Well, praise the Lord. I want to share a few things with you this morning. Today, uh, I'm excited. You know, if you're in the parking lot, we, we have communion elements outside that have been uh, specially prepared for you so that you can uh, get with one of the ushers out there, do something, wave at them, honk at them. Well, don't honk at them. They just think you're just normally honking, but, you know, flash your lights at them or something. Somebody will come around there and get it for you and give you some communion. Because at the end of service, we're going to take communion all together at once, okay? And, and so it's going to be great. It's going to be glorious. But um, right now, just let me give you a couple of announcements, some things that I just want to remind you of. You know, these days are, you know, they're difficult. You, you, you're looking at all the fear and doubt and hearing all the different things going on. But, you know, the, the Marines have a uh, saying that they adhere to, which is improvise, adapt, and overcome. And that's kind of what we have to do right now. We don't know what's going to happen in each day, but we keep putting one foot in front of the other. We keep going forward. I never believed that I'd be preaching to a, you know, an empty church and, and y'all would be in the parking lot honking horns at me. But bless God, we're still getting a job done. You know, the main thing is right now is to be connected with the Spirit of God. Be connected with people. Call people, send them a handshake, text them. Those people in church you normally uh, visit with, man, call them and see what's going on. Don't, don't get isolated. We may have to be isolated by not having contact, but that doesn't mean you can't use your phone. That doesn't mean you can't call people, can't keep in contact with them. So, you know, make phone calls, talk to people, send them texts, send them encouraging words, uh, remind them to read the plan. You know, the plan for this week was Luke chapter 21. And so it's Luke 21. You can read that with your family. Read that with other people. Start something new. If, if we've got to be uh, social distance now, but we doesn't mean that we can't be social on our iPhones or our, our, I mean, our Facebooks or our, you know, whatever. Well, then, you know, start you a Facebook watch and read the plan together. Or do it with the service or whatever, folks. We just got to come out. We've got to improvise, adapt, and overcome so that we can walk through these times and still be victorious for Jesus. So, um, amen. 
Now, you should have by now gotten the April's confession, but in case you didn't get the April confession, we, we mailed a bunch out, but in case you didn't get it, you can go to uh, thewaterhole.net, our, our website, and you can find it there. You can go to the Waterhole phone app, and you can find it there. And uh, But I just want to give it to you. This, this confession this week, or this month, it says, Jesus lives in me, therefore I can walk through every problem in life and not be hurt. My health, my happiness, my financial prosperity is secured in the palm of my Father's hand. When I fall, His angels lift me up. When I'm sick, He heals me. When I'm discouraged, His word is there for me. Goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life, not death and destruction. So I will shout, rejoice my way through life. Amen. And so that's the confession. You get it. You, every morning you need to be confessing it. You need to be get up in the morning, go in there, look in the mirror, confess it to yourself. Because that's what keeps you going. In this world full of doubt and unbelief, in this world full of fear, listen to me. I'm telling you, you got to get your confession going. And so you got to run off. You know, it, we got a beautiful day today. Sun's out. It's a beautiful day. But it seemed like, you know, this last week, it just seemed like I felt like I was oppressed. Not me personally, but it just feel, felt like there was oppression just everywhere. It just was like not right. And I don't know if it was just that, you know, we're anxious for this season we're in and this, this stupid virus going on and whatever. And that's right. I'm calling it a stupid virus. I realize it is a virus. I realize people are dying from it, but it's a stupid virus because it's not of God and I don't like it. And I, and I declare in the name of Jesus, it's got to go. But it, you know, this thing, this thing just keeps going and, and it feels oppressive, but I'm declaring that God's doing a new thing today. Listen to me. You need to get your confession going. You need to start speaking over your home, speaking over your life, speaking over your, your mental state. And I just praise God we have a beautiful, beautiful day today. So um, praise the Lord for that. Now, I want to remind you, you know, we have ushers in the parking lot. If you're out in the parking lot and you want to give your, your tithe or your offering, that you can flag one of them down, get an offering envelope. We'll take up the offering. If you're at home right now, I want to ask you just to get your offerings. I want you to put your hands on it, get your family around it, because I want to pray over it and bless you, because I declare through these economic times, we're going to operate under the covenant of God, which we should have been doing the whole time. You know, sometimes we do get a little lax, and we get to thinking we're the one doing it. But, you know, we always have to remember we're in covenant with God, and God says, if you honor the Lord with your possessions... And the first fruits of your increase, your barns will be full of plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. God's principle is he is the God who provides all your needs. Listen to me. It doesn't make any difference what's going on in the world as long as you're connected to God. Now, that means you may have to, again, improvise and adapt to get into the situation of what's going on. But I want to tell you, we're going to overcome. Amen. So get your offerings, put your hands on it. I want to pray over it. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just pray over everyone's offerings. I just pray, Lord God, wherever they are right now, that you bless them. I thank you for this morning on this resurrection morning, loosing, loosing the power of financial prosperity over the houses right now, over every family right now. Lord, with those that have been uh, given bad reports, I just declare, Lord, you've got a new thing. You've got a new thing going on. 
You're going to bring it about because, Lord, you honor your covenant as we honor it with you. So, Lord, as we give this morning, I thank you that it's blessed. I thank you that that you're making miracles and causing things to happen, Lord, right now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So I want to encourage you, you know, as you're giving, you know, I, 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 there's all, you know, we're in a we're in a new time right now. I don't know what to say. We're in a new time. And so you can give electronically. I personally have never done it, but bless God, they do it. Everybody else in the world seems to think it's no big deal. But, you know, if you don't like that, you can mail your checks in. And if worse comes to worse, call me and I'll come pick it up. You know, I had a person the other day said, hey, I, I, I haven't been uh, coming to church, but I've got my offering over here. But, you know, if you're if you're through town, just stop by. I'll give it to you. So I started laughing, saying, well, I guess, you know, uh, that's something new. I'll go do that. But anyway, praise God. And I want to thank you because listen to me. Right now, the church, we're doing great. We're blessed. Y'all, the offerings and tithes are coming in. We're not hurting. This church is not going down. We are still rescuing orphans. We are still getting the land purchased over in Kenya. We're still going forward. Amen? We're not going down. Listen to me, church. We ain't going down. We're going up. And we're going to rescue more kids this year. And everybody starts talking about it being bleak and this and that. And the other folks, I'm telling you, we're going to rescue more souls this year than we have ever done before because God's with us in all of this. Amen. Now, praise the Lord. I want to get to the message. And so get your Bibles out. And if you would, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I've been preaching this message for the last three weeks, and this is the this is the the culmination of all of it coming to, together right now on this resurrection Sunday. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19. First Corinthians 15, 19. The Apostle Paul says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men, the most pitiable. In other words, King James says the most miserable. But if you look up the word there, it, it really means you're just, you're just literally just pitiful. You've you, you got nothing. He says, if you only have hope in Christ, that's all there is. You're just saying, oh, hell, I sure hope Jesus is going to do something. I hope I'm going to get to heaven. I, I hope this is going to happen. I, you know, I hope the word of God's true. I hope the Bible's true. I, I hope this is right. Paul says, man, that's pitiful. He says, you're just pitiful. But it says, but now, if this is the next verse, or the next part of the verse, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The resurrection is the pivotal point of all of Christianity. Now, yesterday, you know, and it's a, it's a hard movie to watch, I, but I watched The Passion, uh, the one that Mel Gibson did years ago. And uh, I watched it yesterday. It's a hard movie to watch because it, you know, just angers me. And I and 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 I, I see Jesus and all he went through, and it's a very graphic movie. But let me tell you something. As I watched that movie, I sat there with tears in my eyes because I thought to myself, "Isn't it amazing that Jesus? You know, let's take the scripture that we all know, John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That Jesus and God had this whole thing planned." That the devil didn't figure it out. He wasn't smart enough to figure this out, what was going on. He thought he was, he, that, that he was killing the Son of God. He thought he was destroying 
the, the, the plan that God had. He thought he was outsmarting and outmaneuvering God. But the whole time, Jesus, there he was, going through all the whippings and the beatings and the spitting on him and the humiliation and, and carrying the cross and all that he did for us, fighting for his life to get to the top of the hill, to die on a cross, to die on a cross for you and me. It was in the plan of God. And I thought to myself, oh, man, we can't even understand the love of God. We can't even in our human minds grasp the love of God that he cared so much for us. He was going to go do that to take our sins to the cross. Now, listen to me, church. It's one thing if it happens to you and you didn't have any ability to stop it. It's one thing if you were just accosted by a group of, you know, uh, bad people and they did this to you versus being the son of God, the king of glory, the one who is the commander of the host of all the angels of heaven. Jesus said when he was in the garden, he said, hey, I could stop it. He said, Peter, put down your sword. Right now I could stop it because there's 12 legions of angels I could call. 12 legions. That's like 72,000 angels if you just went by a Roman legion. Come down. Boom. Just stop the whole mess. Stop it right in its tracks. And here are these men, and they're, 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 they're abusing Jesus. They're doing all this to Jesus. And, and, and Jesus could have just said, enough. And it would have stopped. He could have ended all the pain, all the agony, all the suffering. He could have stopped it. But he didn't because he loved you and me. Listen to Hear me. He loved you, and he had to carry your sin to the cross. He had to carry your sin to the cross. So he was fighting to stay alive. He was fighting to get to the cross for you, for me. Now, another scripture here, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. As I began to watch the movie, and I was, and I was just praying and, and, and just Choked up the whole time I was seeing it, thinking about how much Jesus loved us. It's like the Spirit of God just began to really birth this message in me. And I pray this morning that by the power of the Holy Ghost, He has the ability to open your ears and open your hearts, and that this morning you get a revelation like you've never had before. Because I believe if you grab a hold of this revelation, that if you are sick in body, God will heal you instantaneously right now. Yeah, I said it. I believe it. I believe if you get the revelation of the, res the resurrection this morning, it will heal you. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Let's get into this. It says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live to righteousness. Now stop right there. Jesus bore our sins on the cross. Our sins, not his sins. He wasn't a sinner. Jesus bore, took upon himself our sins. Say it right there. Our sins. It's our sins. It's my sin. That's what Jesus took to the cross. That's what killed Jesus. Our sins on the cross. Not his. He was sinless. He was a lamb without any blemish. Okay? Think about this now. As Jesus was carrying the cross to the hill, carrying the cross, everyone was mocking him. He was going, he was struggling to stay alive. He's carrying your sins. Whew. Now, 
goes on. And it says, by those and by whose stripes you're healed. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Peter's bringing this whole thing in here and he's saying, wait a minute. He's using Isaiah 53 as his, as his premise here and, and quoting that. But listen, he says, he himself bore our sins on the body on the tree that we having died to sin might live for righteousness. In other words, there's no sin problem anymore so we can live for righteousness. And then he says, and by whose stripes you're healed. Now, wait a minute. That's something that's, something that's not spiritual. That's physical, right? He said that you were living for righteousness. Righteousness is a spiritual matter. But all of a sudden now he says, wait a minute. You're over here. Wait a minute. You're, by, the, by his stripes, all the beatings Jesus took upon himself, he did it for your healing. You know, I'll be honest with you. There are too many sick people in the world in multiple ways. There's too many Christians walking in depression. Folks, listen to me. I may not like how my day is going. I may get even discouraged once in a while. But I still remember that I was headed for hell and I had no savior. And Jesus came and he touched my life and he changed my life forever and he saved me. I can never forget that I am not dying. There is no grave with my name on it because I have been saved with eternity in my future. Whoo, come on. Hear what I'm saying. There ain't no grave going to hold this body down. There ain't no grave going to hold me down because I have the resurrection power of Jesus Christ within me because I'm saved. Okay, I want to get into more of that in just a minute. But Peter's talking about a physical thing. He's talking about healing. He says, for you were like sheep gone astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your soul. Now, Peter said Jesus did two things on the cross. He took our sin to the cross, but then he also took our redemption from the curse of this world to the cross with him. Now think about this. In Revelations chapter 1, when John was on the Isle of Patmos and, and, and Jesus came and appeared to him, in Revelations 1.17, it says that when I saw him, I fell on at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. Now, Jesus, <laughs> when he comes up to John right there, I mean, listen, he comes up and he's like, John hasn't seen Jesus since the ascension. John was there when Jesus for 40 days after the resurrection, and then Jesus has gone up to sit at the right hand of the throne of God. But now John is having a, a vision here, and he's seeing Jesus, and Jesus is standing there and said, I got some keys in my hand. I got the keys to death, hell, and the grave right here. I am victorious. I have the keys. So, folks, something happened. Woo, yeah, something happened. From the cross, the devil thought he had defeated Jesus. Okay? From the cross, it looked like he was defeated. But the resurrection, those three days, Jesus went and got hold. If you just let me say it like this, and I may be just a little, uh, you know, theologically incorrect, but it sounds good. He went down there and got old slew foot by his tail. 
And he just got hold of him and said, look, man, you don't have the power over humans. Listen to me, church, over you and me. He got the, did Jesus need to defeat the devil so that the devil didn't have any power in heaven? Are you listening to me? There, the devil didn't have any power in heaven. He had already been cast out of heaven. He had already been cast out of that realm of the kingdom of heaven. So when Jesus is going to do this battle on the cross, then defeat the devil, get the keys of death, hell, and the grave through the resurrection, he's doing that for you and me. Woo! Listen to me. He's doing it for you and me. He's not doing it for heaven's sake. He's not doing it for anything else but you and me. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. Came up and told John, I got the keys right here. I'm holding on to them. And I've proved it through the resurrection that I'm the son of God and it's mine. The resurrection, the cross is the, shows the forgiveness of our sins. And it shows that Jesus was paying a price for us. But the resurrection shows that he won the victory. And this is the day to rejoice because he did it for you and me. Now, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. The Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Galatia, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, was he crucified with Christ? Paul wasn't nailed on the cross of Jesus. He himself, personally himself, in his physical body, was not nailed onto the cross with Jesus. But his sins were. Did you hear what I said? His sins were. So the Apostle Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. My sins got nailed to the cross. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Whoo, wait a minute now. My sins went to the cross with Jesus, so then therefore I'm also a part of the resurrection. If I was a part of the cross, I'm also a part of the resurrection. So many times we as Christians, we just we look to the cross. Praise God for the cross. Don't, don't take this wrong. Listen to me. Don't, I'm not saying anything about the cross. I'm saying, but we look to the cross as the only thing. We come and we take our communion and we're looking at our communion service as, oh, Lord, thank you. You forgave me of my sins. But there's something else to the cross, the resurrection. I've been crucified with Christ, but nevertheless, I live. The resurrection is also a part of communion. Now, I'm preaching from this point on all about the communion. Now, listen to me. you got to hear me. In a minute, we're going to take that communion, and you're going to take it differently than you've ever taken it in your mind. Because so a lot of times, we're only taking communion based on, Lord, forgive me my sins. Well, the sins got nailed to the cross. How about asking him and thanking him for the resurrection power? Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, now that I live, I live in the flesh. I live by faith. In the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Folks, remember, Jesus went to the cross not to win a victory for heaven, but to win a victory on this earth for you and me. He died on the cross, but then he was resurrected. Your sins took him to the cross, but now we're living in resurrection power. you got to get out of the thinking of, oh, I'm such a sinner, and get over here into the resurrection power to walk in the victory that Jesus has for us. So, I want to I go here now. I want to go into the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, chapter 12. And I want to look at the Passover. 
Now, this is really good. I want to look at the Passover. You got to understand when Jesus and his disciples sat down to have the Last Supper, they were having the Passover meal. The Passover Seder is what they were having. And then Jesus kind of changed things up. And when he changed things up, everybody was like, oh, man, you know, because what are you doing here? Because they've never seen this before. But Jesus was instituting the Lord's Supper as we know it today. But it came from the Passover meal. Okay? So I want to look at the Passover. I'm in Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. Now I'm going to do some reading here so you all follow with me. It says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. Now wait a minute. He went and he said, Okay, this is what we're going to do. This month is going to start everything over for you. It's going to reset your clock. It's going to make such a change in your life. It's going to like reset everything in your life. Everything that was in the past, forget it, boom, we're resetting the clock. You know, I don't, I, I, I don't know if you understand this, but the day that you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you believed that He was the Son of God, your clock got reset. You know, some of you may think you're, you know, that you, you know, you're, you're, you're 70 years old, but you didn't get saved till you were 30. Well, I believe your clock got reset and you, reset and you gained 30 years there. Hello? When we were born again, because we believed in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we invited Him into our life and said, you are the resurrected Savior, you're the one that can save my soul. That day became a new beginning for you. Because before, if you remember, like Ephesians 2 says, and a lot of different places in the New Testament, where He says, you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers. You were, you were outside the promises. But that day, boom, you got brought in new. See, that was your new beginning. Well, that's what Passover, he says, is your new beginning. Okay, and it shall be the first month to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. Now, it's another whole message, but just to briefly brush over it, the day that Jesus was on the hill being crucified, the high priests were offering up and preparing the Passover lambs for all of Israel. And they were taking the lamb, and, and you just had to go do some research so you could see all of this. They were taking the lamb, they were splitting it in two, they were putting it on a skewer, and it looked just like this on the skewer. Split open through the middle and laying just like this. And everybody was walking down through the streets, holding their lamb up, just like Jesus had been walking down the street holding the cross up, going to their house to eat the Passover meal because they were Jewish and, and it was, you'll see later here, that it was eternal. The covenant was eternal. You're supposed to carry, take the Passover every year forever. So they were all going with their Passover lamb. While they're walking down the street holding their physical lamb, Jesus is on the hill dying as our, our spiritual lamb. So, this Passover meal, this communion we're about to take here in a minute, you got to understand where it came from. It came from your lamb. Everybody say that. It came from my lamb. Look at the person beside you and say, it came from my, our lamb because a household took it. You see, the household took a lamb, one lamb per household. So you had to take a lamb. Your lamb's Jesus. Your lamb's Jesus. That's what you've taught your family about Jesus. We're Christians. We've taught our family about Jesus. 
He's our lamb. So you took it. If the household was too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next door to him. He says, if, if, if every family is too small to eat the whole lamb, because you got to eat it all, well, then get a family to come over there with you. Share the gospel. Okay. And it says, um, according to the number, according to each man's need, you shall make account of the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight, and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house where they eat. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw nor boiled of water, but roast it on the fire, its head, its legs, and centrals. And you shall let none of it remain until morning. And what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it with a, your belt on, your waist, your sandals on your feet, and a staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. Now, so they're all eating this meal, all ready with their staff, their coats on, like they're getting ready to go. Because, see, God was going to deliver them from Egypt. Listen to me. God, through you being born again, delivered you from the power of the devil. It says in 1 Corinthians 113 that he translated you out of the kingdom. This Passover meal is a, is, is, that was taking place in Egypt is a total and complete type and shadow of what Jesus did for you through your salvation. He's trying to get you out of the power of the devil. He's trying to get you out of, from under the curse of this world. Of all the things that are going on, he's trying to get you into a new land, into a, a new miraculous place where the waters part and where God provides for you, where your shoes don't wear out. Man, you don't grow, you know, you don't, you don't grow fat. No, bless God. Yeah, I knew I'd get some honks on that one. But they were eating it in haste, he says, because faith has action to it. Hear what I'm saying. You can say you have faith, but if you don't have any action to your faith, well, then you don't really have faith. You just have a belief, but you don't do anything with it. If you have faith that Jesus is your Savior, well, then you're walking around saying, man, bless God, I'm going to heaven. I already chose my lamb, and that's where I'm headed. I'm headed to heaven. He's redeemed me of my sins. He's forgiven me my sins. Shut up judgment. Shut up doubt. Shut up unbelief. I'm not going to listen to you because that's faith has action to it. Now, it says... Then he says, it is the Lord's Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now, think about this. Folks, put yourself as a Jewish person in the land of Egypt. And just begin to think about, you've already seen the locusts. You've already seen the rivers turn red. You've already seen boils come upon them. You've already seen uh, their cattle dying. You've already seen different things happening, and nothing's happening to you. It's all happening to them, but nothing's happening to you. All the lights would go out over there, and the lights would stay on here. Okay? And then God says, I'm going to pass over the land, and I'm going to pass over, but I'm passing over in judgment. The death angel's coming. It's going to kill the firstborn in every land, but put the blood on your doorpost. Do you think you might have been chinchy with the blood? I don't believe so. I believe you'd have got one of those big old wide six-inch brushes, man. You'd have dipped in blood. You'd have painted blood all over the place because the death angel's coming. He's not going to cross that door. But wait a minute. Listen to me. Oh, this is good. This is good. This is good, man. I'm telling you, can you, if you can grab hold of this. 
He was passing over, say it, passing over Israel, right? Putting judgment on the Egyptians, but he was passing over. He was passing over. He wasn't going to go in there. He was passing over because he was going to execute judgment. Now, wait a minute. If your sins were nailed to the cross with Jesus, hear what I'm saying? If your sins were nailed to the cross with Jesus and he died and took your sins to hell and he rose from the grave, oh, come on now, there's no judgment on you. You have been declared righteous. So then what are we doing not putting the blood over the door of our house? What are we doing not standing up and saying, look, coronavirus, you're not going to touch me in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. What are we doing saying cancer, letting cancer have any to come live in our home? We got to get the blood over it. And you know, the Bible says you got to, they had to sweep and prepare their house and get everything ready. We got to do some cleaning on the inside of us and sweeping out so that there's no place for it to live because the blood is over us and there's no judgment from God. You know, some people think sickness comes from God, but listen to me, if if, let's just think that theory for a second. If sickness came from God, well, then he could only be putting it upon the unjust. So why don't you just get yourself in the right place? If sickness doesn't come from God and is just in the world because we live in a cursed world, well, then again, why don't we just get ourselves in the right place with the blood over our door so it all has to pass by because there's no judgment that can come on us. We Christians have to rise up and begin to speak out of our mouth that what Jesus paid for on the cross is more powerful than some little fairy tale story in the, old, in, the, in the New Testament representing something from the Old Testament. It's not a fairy tale because otherwise Jesus wouldn't be moving in our lives today. You go look at all the other, other religions out there. You look at that, what, 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 what they put forth. And, you know, there's a lot of followers, but I want to tell you something. There is nobody out there that wants to have your sins forgiven so you can walk in love towards ugly people and be happy about it. But Christianity changes us like that because a living Christ comes into our hearts and changes us to where we want to walk like Jesus. We want to love people. We want to be a blessing, bless people, rescue orphans and do things like that. Because the risen Savior's on the inside of us. Now, there's no judgment, he says. Now, the blood shall be a sign for you on your house where you are. And when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. I'll pass over you. When I see the blood, I'm going to pass over you. The blood of Jesus on your life. And, and so, it, and I will just, and, and, and I say, I'll pass over you, and the plague shall be not be on, upon you, but I will destroy and strike the land of Egypt. So the day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, and you shall keep it as a feast as an everlasting ordinance. In other words, Passover was a celebration of what God had done for Israel, but it's also a celebration of what God was doing for Israel continually every year. Folks, we get to into a, into a place where we take communion too much in the, in, in the wrong attitude. <clears throat> and we make it just like it's an ordinance in the church that we just go do it. And then, you know, we're not looking at it at it, what it means. Believe me, I went to church. I was raised in church. 
But I didn't I wasn't really a believer. I just went to church because that's what we were supposed to do. I took communion and I didn't really understand it. And I said the things out of my lips that I was supposed to say. And I did the things that I was supposed to do. But I want to tell you something. There was no connection in my heart. It was just a piece of bread and it was just some juice. It was not the Passover meal of me celebrating what Jesus had done for me. Communion is a celebration of what Jesus has done for us. Now, I want to show you something, and then we're going to take communion together. There's two parts. There's two parts to the elements. There's the bread and the wine or the juice. There's two parts, the bread and the juice. The day Jesus, he took bread, he broke it, he took a cup, and he gave it. It's two parts, not one, two parts. I believe Christians are only grabbing hold of the one part, the forgiveness of our sins. You're going to the and taking a communion and, and you're saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins, which you should, and repent, which you should. But we're not looking at the bread. And let me show you something here. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're not looking at the body. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. We're not looking at the body of Christ, which is what I want you to see this morning. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul here talking to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three. 23. He says, For I received of the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, Take and eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This is my body which is broken for you. Did you know that on the cross there was not one bone of Jesus that was broken? Not one bone. Because he had to fulfill the scripture, it says there was no bones broken. Now his flesh was filleted off of him, but there was no bone broken in Jesus. We'll get to that in just a minute. Then he said the same manner. He also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and you drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Now then, verse 27, Paul goes on. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Again, he separated the body and the blood. Now, if you read at the first part of chapter 11, Paul's getting on to the to the church at Corinth because they were getting carnal and they're having a communion service, but they're everybody's eating and drinking and carrying on and just making a big supper out of it. And everybody's just fellowshipping and probably getting a little tipsy drunk or whatever, drinking all the wine. And so Paul's kind of hammering them saying, that's not what you're supposed to do. You're not looking at the body and the blood. Two things, the body and the blood. Are y'all with me? The body and the blood. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself. Wait a minute. Judgment to himself? <coughs> we already know that. <coughs> excuse me. We already know that. In the Passover meal, God says, the blood's over your life. I'm passing over in my judgment. And so we already know that if you, what Paul is saying, if you're keeping your heart right with Jesus and you're, you're looking to him to forgive you of your sins, there should be no judgment. But they're not doing that. They're not examining themselves. 
See, they're just having a big meal. And so because of that, judgment's coming on them. Hey, hey, wait a minute. If no judgment can be on you, that means no sickness can be on you because there is the body that was broken for our sickness and there is the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sin. So he says, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, I'm just, I'm just preaching it this morning, church. You can't tell me I'm trying to start a new doctrine. I'm just preaching what Paul said. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. And that word sleep doesn't mean that it took a nap. It means they're dead. For if you would judge yourselves, you'd not be judged. So it's about judgment coming upon us. There is no place for judgment under the blood of Jesus. There is no place of judgment when you look at the body and the blood of the Lord and say, Lord, you, you took to the cross my sins. You took to the cross my sickness through your body, but you arose from the grave for victory because now you have the keys of death, hell, and the grave. They're in your hands. You're victorious. So this communion service this morning, yes, we need to repent of our sins. Yes, we need to keep ourselves under the blood. But we need to take the broken body of Christ, the, the blood shed by Christ, the two parts of the element, we need to take it as one and remember that there is a resurrection. And Jesus has the keys. He's in charge he has the final say-so. Not the devil, not this world, not the coronavirus, not cancer, not sickness in any form. Jesus has the last word. Now, I know that this may sound strange, and some people who, who are, are you know, maybe not versed in the Scriptures and, or maybe not Christians don't understand this, but listen to me. I'm not going to die. Hear what I'm saying. I'm not dying. I can't die because I've been born again. You see... My body may cease to exist on this earth, but I'm living on in heaven because of the resurrection. You got to understand something. When you have no fear of death, there is no separation between me and my heavenly father. I have no fear of death because nothing can separate me from the love of God. Folks, there is something that happens. You start tapping in to the resurrection power of God. This communion we're about to take I'm trying to get you to tap in to the resurrection power of God. And how do you do that? You simply do it by examining yourself and keeping yourself under the blood. You stay connected by the Spirit to the things of God. And then the resurrection power just begins to do a work in your life. Begins to do a work in your life. So now I want to ask you, if you're in your home or, or, or if you're out here in the car, if you need to go get your communion elements and get them on your table or wherever you are, get your communion elements together. Because we're going to take communion all together at one time. I want to have my wife come up here and just kind of play for a minute because we need to do some examination. We need to look at ourselves and say, what are we doing here this morning? And are we looking at the body and the blood of Jesus in our life. And we need to ask the Holy Ghost to illuminate to us everything that we can see clearly.
Go ahead and play. Just take a moment there. Lord, I pray right now for a revelation. A revelation in the hearts of the people. I pray that our eyes of our understanding be enlightened this morning. We know, Lord, what your hope of the calling is. And that this morning, Lord, as we take communion together, we examine ourselves. That Jesus, your broken body was given for us. Your broken body was given to us so that we could be redeemed from the curse of sickness and death. Your body couldn't stay in the grave and our body can't stay in the grave. Death and hell couldn't touch your body. Death and hell cannot touch our body. We examine ourselves, Lord. Where we've been in doubt and unbelief, Lord, we repent. We just repent. So I want you right now, church, all together, I want you to take your bread. And I want you to realize this is more than just, this is more than just a symbol. It's the point of your faith this morning. If you have sickness in your body, right now is the time to repent and say, Lord, Forgive me for any unbelief I have in me. And I'm believing, put my faith in their broken body for me. And by your stripes, I'm healed. And let the resurrection power of God come into your flesh. So take now and eat in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord, for your broken body for us. Your broken body for us. Now take your cup. Jesus said this cup represents a new covenant poured out in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Take a moment now and just repent. And ask God to forgive you of all your shortcomings.
Lord, just like you did, or you told the Israelites there in Egypt to put the door, the blood on the door of their homes. By drinking this cup today, Lord God, we put the blood over our souls. That there is no judgment that can come to us because of the blood of Jesus. And so, Lord, I praise you for it. I thank you for the forgiveness of sins, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, let's take and drink. Now just thank him there. Thank you, Jesus, that you heal our bodies, you forgive our sins, and that, Lord, that resurrection power, the resurrection power is in our lives. And, Lord, we're going to focus today on the resurrection that no grave could hold you down. That you have the keys of death, hell, and the grave in your hands. So do we, Lord, through you. For if we've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless, we also live with you. So, Lord, we praise you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name. God bless you, church. Be a blessing to your family and all those around you. And I'll catch you next week.